boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. You know, they say the wrestling business is better when it's booked on the fly. I know the Total Bee Show books everything on the fly. No formats, nothing. We've got a big guest today. It's one of the people who's been most influential on my career. It's the Mecca Shane Madison. He also goes by Jeez Wee's in my world. And so much more stuff I want to talk about. We're not going to talk about the big man, the outlaw, but we're going to talk about Everything else. We're going to talk about everything else I go on about. It's episode 24. 24. And that's producer Chris in the background. Thank you, Chris, for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Excited for our guest. I never thought this would happen. Why did you not think this would happen? It should have happened in episode one. Should have happened in episode two. He should have been on the show so many times over the time over the course of the show, but he's on today and he's going to be great. We're going to tell some great old stories of what made Winnipeg wrestling great for so many years. But let's talk about something else. Last week I critiqued a promo and people think it was a personal attack. It really wasn't. I was trying to be constructive and I don't want to mention the guy's name because it's, I don't want it to seem like I'm ripping on him every time I talk about him, but I found a promo in the wrestling business. That's even better than the promo he cut, which was hard to do. Cause I think that promo he cut was the best. So I'm going to play that now. And I want people to tell me if this is better than when the outlaw Adam Knight cuts a promo in the gym and talks in a hushed tone. If this promo is better, because it is widely believed that this is the best wrestling promo of all time. So I'm going to cue it up now. To jump in Jeff Farmer. Let's go now to that interview. Folks, there's jumping Jeff Farmer. Jeff, a while back, what a match you had with Motley. Yep. <laughs> Probably the hardest match I ever had in my life. But I don't like it when things aren't my, going my way. Motley Cruz, you turned the tables on me. <laughs> you turned the tables in a wrong way. You've got me mad now. Man. I've stood around. I've listened to everything you had to say. I did everything necessary. But when you turn around and you backstab me one way or another and you cheat me out of what's rightfully mine, that's when I get angry. Now I'm the one doing the challenging. (laughs) I'm issuing a challenge to you, Motley Cruz. Get in the ring with me. This time I'm going full force. Jumping Jeff Farmer. Now let's go to the ring. This time, he's going full force. Me too. Yes. Um, you know what I liked about this promo? The he fire. showed some genuine emotion. He stumbled. He's human. Would I buy a ticket to see Jumpin' Jeff Farmer against Motley Cruz? Or would I, wa- would I buy a ticket to watch Sam Roth take on Outlaw Adam Knight? Are we sure it's Sam Roth? It could be Sam Roth. <laughs> See the problem. Okay, so people jumped on me for this. I'm gonna, yeah. I, I'm gonna back sell Adam Knight. Sorry, pal. I did. I, I was gonna lighten up on him, but people were like, "You do realize you got the guy's name wrong the whole time," and I did. His yeah. name's James Roth, not Sam Roth. Right. Um, but I called him Sam Roth about thirty times. The thing was, Adam Knight in his promo did mention the name James Roth, but because he didn't properly emphasize that name, I lost it. I didn't catch it. Yeah. And I was so listening to Adam Knight's promo and where I thought it should be better 
that I he didn't sell me the match. He didn't sell me the opponent, even though he said he's a good community guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he failed, like, and I believe Adam Knight will be better for this. So everyone who's on me and saying, Do you, I, I got a question from a listener saying, you must hate Adam Knight and he must hate you. He's missing the point. You know why? More people are talking about Adam Knight thanks to me critiquing his promo. And that's not because I'm great or anything, but because I took what was not a great promo and made a great segment out of it, I'm helping him. He doesn't think so, but it's true. More people want the next Adam Knight promo. I even sent a text to promoter Danny Duggan and said, please keep put a match between Adam Knight and Hernandez together and let, let's see the promo for Adam Knight. People now want to hear the next Adam Knight promo. People probably want to see the next Adam Knight match. What about Jeff Farmer, though? Jeff Farmer, Jumping Jeff? What about Jumping Jeff Farmer? Where do you rate him on the Adam he Knight? He was the NWO sting. Are we going to make him the Adam Knight scale, though? Is this, are we going to make an well, Adam Knight scale? Well, let's do turnbuckles. Okay. On the scale of turnbuckles, I would say... One being bad, ten being good? Twelve. Remember, there's right, twelve. 12, yes. 12 turn, so I would good. say that Jeff Farmer's promo is nine turnbuckles. So that's good. You think that's good? I love this promo. Are you... I thought you were being facetious. No, it's I, terrible. I, well, cause he said this time he's coming full force and he started with yep. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to start doing that to you. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, not a yes or no question. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But the thing about Jeff Farmer was he acknowledges that last match, he didn't go full force <laughs> and he had fire. Yeah. Like yeah. there were good things about and it. And but... Motley Cruz turned the tables in a not so good way. <laughs> he, he's the inverse Adam Knight. He's the See, inverse. He had fire, but no content. Yeah. Whereas Knight sometimes no, has content, no but content. no fire. So I'm a sick, sick bastard because to see a promo like that, I would pay to see this guy. I would pay to see the match because the promo was that intriguing to yep. me. <laughs> and Adam Knight, I would pay to see Adam Knight at this point because people want to know how, what's going to be the mean streak. Is he going to slap a fan again? Cause he's getting ridiculed on a podcast. He's not getting ridiculed though. It's constructive. He now, he now knows, okay, people are laughing at me for my promos. He should adjust to his promos. Correct. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. So Adam Knight, please don't take it personal. And if you do, you're missing the point. And everybody who's listening to the podcast is saying, Hey, I want more Adam Knight. We've done you a favor. Please understand. That. And start, you starting all your promos with yep. Yep. <laughs> and that's kind of an outlaw outlaw thing to say. Yeah. And yep. end it with end it with next time I'm coming full force and say it with the same apologetic tone he had in his promo about Sam Roth. Yeah. Right, Sam Roth? I forget now. Like it's you, James Roth. You, you you've messed with me so many times on <laughs> this. I don't know what the guy's name. I used to know. Okay. So moving on from bad promos to that were great promos, but like people might think I'm being a smart ass. I love that promo. I love the Jeff Farmer one. I love the Adam Knight promo. Let's talk about a certain egotistical billionaire who I have no way of putting it into perspective. Tony Khan is quoted as saying, What, Chris? I have three months to become Booker of the Year. Well, because it's three months left a year, October, November, right. December. Essentially. Okay. okay. Nobody in the history of wrestling has ever made such an asinine comment. Nobody in the history of wrestling has ever thought like that. I've heard people say, I want to turn, I want to get the business a little bit, I want to get things back up over the next three months, and here's my plan. I've heard people say, we're going to slow this angle down over three months to really draw out a lot of money. I have never, ever heard 
an idiot say something so stupid in my life as Tony Khan saying that. Here's the problem. He's maybe three or four or five months out of having so much momentum. And granted, Vince McMahon stepping aside, Triple H taking over, shifted momentum. But his situation with Punk, Omega, and the Young Bucks, that work, that not shoot, is it compromised his, his momentum. And if it was a shoot, it really compromised his momentum. But then he goes to John Moxley. And, and, and this past week, it was Moxley and... Um, Hangman. Hangman. And it's like, I couldn't be any clearer... From my wrestling history of being an instinctive booker, neither one of those two guys is going to take you to the promised land. Jericho could, and I know you like to argue that. You you like to think Dr. Luther could. <laughs> I never said that, by the way. You said he belonged in the main event. I didn't say he belonged in the main event. You said he, said he should have a, you, you said he should have a strap because there's so many straps. You said he should be the trios champion. I think everybody should have a strap. There's so many straps. Yeah, if you don't really. have a strap in AEW, you need to look at yourself. There you go. So, Tony, here's the problem. Your motivation should never be being recognized as Dave Meltzer's Booker of the Year. You can give Dave a verbal bleeze and get the Booker of the Year again. Your focus should be upping your ratings. Stop boasting about ratings that aren't improving. Start start focusing on getting the fans hot for your product again. And it would be it it, it should be easy. You've got MJF who should be ready to he's should be ready to be prime time. You've got Jericho. You've got guys that you can really elevate, including Wardlow, figure it out. Ricky Starks. There's so many good talent on that, on that roster, Sammy Guevara, but you got to stop thinking about yourself right now and start thinking about what in that roster you have to push to the right spot. Tony Khan is the biggest liability in AEW right now. Yeah. And he's got to stop and he's got to start putting the, the focus on the right people. He should not even be, it should not even, the name Tony Khan shouldn't even be synonymous with AEW in the next year. He should be in the back burner. He should not be known as the booker. Even if he is the booker, he shouldn't be talking about it. He should not be doing those press conferences after pay-per-views. Let your main event people do do the selling of your company. He is making he is making a terrible mistake. Ernie Todd made that mistake in Winnipeg back in 1996. Um Bobby J had that problem with top rope where he wanted a little bit more of the light shined on, shine, shine on him. Jeff Dick never wanted to be around the camera. He never wanted people knowing he was involved. He was a businessman who did not care that it was wrestling. It was a form of entertainment. Um, and I, I, as Booker, only was the commentator because of cost reasons. We didn't want to bring somebody in for post-production. But Tony Khan is terrible on camera and the things he says are going to become a liability and the fans are going to turn it off. It's a terrible mistake. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to talk to the Mecca Shane Madison, Jeez Weez, and Sean Brown somewhere left out like crazy. And boy, Mike, we've coming up later, the mailbag. It's huge. We're not saying anything not about the say, mailbag we're not, just we're, yet. We're not going to tell you, but the mailbag might just not be soon to be sponsored anymore. And let's go to the interview with Mecca Shane Madison right after this. This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Cheese Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code Bees Cheese. Again, the code is B E E Z. 
S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. The Total Bees She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total Bees She's Show on Twitter at Total Bees She's, on Instagram at Total Bees She's, or search us on Facebook, Total Bees She's. Hey, Bees She's listeners, Steve Rosenthal here from Powertown. As the managing partner and co-founder of Powertown Wrestling, I just wanted to let you know that our Series 1, which includes figures of the iconic Bruiser Brody, Dan Hansen, Magnum TA, Kerry Von Erich, Vern Gagne, and Luthez are now available for pre-order at PowertownWrestling.com. The figures are $45 each with bundles available. Each 7-inch scale ultra figure is also showcased with personalized accessories, ringwear, and championship belts. The unique book-like packaging delves into the lives and careers of the wrestlers in this series. Since our inception, we have made it our mission to celebrate the wrestlers that built this sport, and we are so excited to be able to share these figures with collectors and fans around the world. This is just the beginning for us, so be sure to follow us everywhere at Powertown Wrestling on Instagram and Facebook and on Twitter. There's much more to come from Powertown, where wrestling lives on. If you've come to not like me in the wrestling game, there's one guy you should thank more than anybody else. The guy that got me more jobs than anybody else and the guy who agreed to be a guest on this episode of the Total Bees Show. His name in wrestling was the Mecca Shane Madison. I refer to him as Jeez Wheeze and he's going to tell some stories here today. How's it going? Very good. Pleasure to be here. Finally, right. took you guys twenty five ep- episodes. Not twenty five, twenty four. I believe. <laughs> yeah, okay. you, well, yeah, geez. pretty good. He okay. knows more than we, I was. Hey, like, I'm a loyal that, listener of the yeah. Bees She's show. I listen every Monday, so uh, as everyone else should too. Be like the Mecca. Listen every Monday. All right. So I know nobody who has a bigger wrestling figure collection than you. What would the value of your wrestling figure collection be? And in, in, give me a rundown of what you got. So. I collect the uh, 1980s, the LJN wrestling superstars. So, uh, and I have them all, <laughs> and I have all of them with variants. And I'm working on upgrading certain figures. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I have. Uh, well, I mean, the value is about probably ten or twelve thousand dollars US. I and how say. many figures would that be? I think it's like sixty-seven or sixty-eight. Chris is doing the quick math there in the corner. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what's the most valuable figure you've got? Uh, probably Sergeant Slaughter, because he wasn't actually an LJN. He was a Hasbro. Um, he was supposed to be in Series 1. He left for G.I. Joe. Vince canceled him. And then Hasbro released uh, a mail-away figure in 87, and you had to order a, or buy a G.I. Joe and send out a... Um, proof of purchase and with like four ninety nine, Right. And they send this thing to you and it's like a harder plastic figure, uh, same size as the LJN, but, uh, it's very expensive. I think you can get one, you know, you may be paying five or six or $700 us right now, if you want one. So I got mine for 300 Canadian a few years ago. It was, it was actually an accident how I bought it, but, uh, 
my wife wasn't very happy with me, but uh, <laughs> no doubt you're buying inflation for three hundred dollars. Canadian uh, though, it's good. Yeah, yeah it's a good. So, it's a good investment. All right, so your figure collection puts you at the top of the line, probably for Canadian collectors of, of wrestling figures. Well, I don't say. know about that. I mean, I I had like a lot of other figures that I kind of unloaded, and uh, some other ones that weren't really worth so much. Like I had the original ECW figures. I got rid of all those. Um, I've had a bunch of different ones. I need to get the, uh, power town, the power, the power town figures. Yeah. I was having a look at them. We were talking about them. I listened to the Greg Gagne interview is excellent. And, uh, those figures, they're, they're pretty damn nice. I mean, yeah. people, people are like, well, they're very expensive, but you know, I went, as we were mentioning this a few days ago, I went to Toys R Us and they re-releasing Transformers and GI yeah. Joes and they're not called figures anymore or action figures. They're called adult collectibles. Yeah. So the idea is they're they're not even for sounds like sex toys. Well, hey, whatever works, whatever floats your boat. But it's not they're not for like it can be both. They're not for like playing with, you yeah. know, in quotations. Quotation marks. Um they're for displaying. So I mean the people that balk at those um prices, I mean they're really not collectors. I think collectors will pay yeah. that money for those. You figures. were actually the person that reinforced my decision to buy my set. Did you was, use your promo code? I did. Okay. Yes, I used the promo Perfect. code and saved. The promo code was major. That's right. And I saved back 10%. Thank, thank Matt Card, Cardona for that. Yeah. yeah. And it's good. And I, I, I'll get them in January and I can't wait. But let's talk about your career. You trained, you were a Winnipeg kid. Mm-hmm. Grew up and you'd known about River City Wrestling and you knew about uh, Tony Candelo's WFWA and IWA. And yet you chose not to do anything in Winnipeg in terms of training. And CWF might have been around. No, I guess River City was still the one. Or was it CWF? Well, the first show I ever went to was, I went to a show at the Southdale Community Center, May Long Weekend in 1993. That was a Candelo show, I believe. Yeah. In the arena. I also went to a show in June of 1994 at Lord Roberts Community Center. That would have been River City. Yes, it was. Yes. And I remembered it because it had, they had, they used yellow um, garden hose for ropes. Oh. And I remember being appalled. <laughs> and I remember seeing these wrestlers, quote unquote wrestlers, and they were all kind of normal looking guys, didn't look like they were in shape, had kind of crummy gear. And I remember thinking to myself, I do not want to look like those guys. And then I actually approached Dave Pinsky. Yeah, Crybaby Dave Levinsky, Dave Pinsky. Yeah. Yep, I approached him, and then I asked him, basically, hey, I'd like to get involved. I'd like to do whatever, set up the ring, flyer, put out chairs, whatever you need. And then he talked to Wayne Stanton. <laughs> well, uh, I don't recall this conversation. <laughs> Let's call Wayne right now. <laughs> but uh, I haven't talked to Wayne in a long time, long time. Um but anyways, yeah, so, and Pinsky never called me. So I never heard anything. That was 1994. I literally haven't heard anything. And then I decided to move away in 1998, October, because I did not want to be anything like these quote-unquote Winnipeg wrestlers that I saw. Yeah, common theme we hear. Vance Nevada said the same thing. There's a mm-hmm. problem with Winnipeg wrestling. I'll, de- I'll defend it, but that's what people say. So where did you go? Who did you train with? How? What did you learn? Well, I was originally supposed to go down with... Uh, I mean, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but uh, I was supposed to go down with TJ Bratt actually in yeah. April of 99, 99. And then he ended up basically blowing all his money on whatever <laughs> you can see. I'll leave it there. And then uh, he's like, well, I need to save up some more money. And I said, okay, well, I had mine saved up. So we were going to go down in October. 
we went down in October. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard the story. Um, I'm sure you'll probably get phone calls and emails and text messages after this airs about how he, I think like day two or something, he had like two hot dogs from Seven Eleven and a root beer and he threw up in the ring and flew home the next day. So um, immediately all of our expenses, which were supposed to be shared, shared are, are now all on me. So I had to find this house to live in, which was like a room. I had to hang my food from the ceiling in a bed sheet because there was rats and mice and cockroaches and all sorts of nasty shit. And I uh, worked a crummy job and I got beat up uh, three or four nights a week in a ring with, in a boxing ring basically. And uh, yeah. No spring. No spring. Yep. It wasn't ballet. Didn't even let us in the ring till we had our chain wrestling down. And then, um, yeah, so that's how it happened. I was in Windsor, on Windsor, on Ontario when I was trained originally. Okay. So in defense of TJ Bratt, cause I, I do like the guy. Another guy I have not spoken to in years and yeah. years and years. Okay. So it's not uncommon for a guy to get into the ring and try to train and two days in not be able to hack it. So I don't, I don't begrudge him for that. I've seen it a hundred times. I also trained and did not like it and, and kind of. Well, you give know. yourself a little credit. We I, had a hell of an angle. I there. know. Bumpers, I, I, uh, the fat fuck tapes. Have we ever talked about those? <laughs> we have not. We have not might talked be, about might those. Might have to be a viewing. Yeah. yeah. Might have to release them to a watch YouTube. <laughs> we might have to release them to YouTube. But the thing is about Brad, like I tiptoed into wrestling. I, I did it as a ref and I did as little training as possible, but learned as much as I possibly could to become a wrestler. And I was never a good wrestler. Brad, of course, then comes back to Winnipeg and trains under Vance, Nevada, or was it? Well, getting back to but, my Winnipeg. Yeah, your story is more important than his. Well, getting back to my Winnipeg thing, I mean, like the guy made it through, you know, two days of training, barfed and came home and he comes back here and he's a main event guy. And he thought he was on my level. Yeah. Which, I mean, just goes to show you what the mindset was in Winnipeg. Yeah. time. Okay. So, so you finish your training. That training, I just wanted to quickly jump in there. That training, uh, you know, by day two, because you were, you were in it as well, was it, was it incredibly difficult to the point where, like, you could understand somebody quitting? Or was it like, well, we what's had, going on? We had, like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't tough. And they were harder on me. Um, and, you know, I should preface this. I mean, the two main guys that I was trained with were Professor Maxwell, who... Um, had a long career. He did a lot of work in FMW in Japan. Um, and Scotty Libido, friend friend of the show. Yep. Uh, Jeff Cavanaugh, who works for Impact Wrestling right now. And he taught me, he's probably the smartest guy I've ever met in wrestling, to be honest with you, um, as far as psychology, just, just a wealth of knowledge. So he was more the mindset of wrestling and Maxwell was more the mechanics in the ring. And, you know, and because um, Harry... Uh, Maxwell's uh, real name. Uh, he was friends with Sabu. We got to drive down to Lansing, Michigan on Tuesdays and work out with him and Pee Wee in Sabu's ring. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the thing is that what Libido would have taught you, somebody teaches you the in-ring stuff, mm-hmm. someone teaches you the business behind them wrestling. That's what a lot of guys don't get. They A lot of guys get out of training and they're ready to wrestle matches but they don't understand what it's going to take to draw or what a promoter might be thinking, what a booker thinks, or what you should be thinking about as you're putting your, your crap together. You're, it's more than just what you can do in the ring. It's what you, how you present yourself, how you're going to cut a promo. Adam Knight doesn't know that yet. And, I've heard. <laughs> and all that stuff. So you come back from Windsor to Winnipeg, and I remember meeting you. It was in November of... October. Ni- October 1999 mm-hmm. at Bumper's Bar. Yep. And... Right away, I October nineteenth. You come in, you're tanned up, you've got gear, 
And it changes the entire culture of Winnipeg wrestling in the span of a snap of a finger because gone were, so Wayne Stanton had, had invested in training a whole bunch of guys and Big O and Moses Luke and Ronnie Attitude were there and Overkill was there and Johnny Malibu was there. And I was there to help kind of lead a really ragtag group Weren't of you guys. you booker at the time? I was a, a booker, but okay. it was changing on a daily basis. And you come in and you join Don Callis's trainees of J.C. Dirks and there might be a problem. Let's hear it. There might be a problem. <laughs> yeah. Will Damon and Donnie DiCaprio. And of course, at that point that night, I decided, okay, well, we're going to be making room for Don's guys. And I, I can't remember who I bumped. I think it was Big Owen Moe. It was Moe. Moe, to get you on a, in a match with J.C. Dirksen. And Stanton comes at me as the booker and he says, you don't bump our guys for Don's guys. And he's, <laughs> he's having a meltdown, right? And it turned out to be the right decision. And he later admitted it that night that it added new blood to the roster and actually single-handedly started a change in Winnipeg wrestling that if you weren't going to take, if you weren't going to have gear and you weren't going to try to go to the gym and you weren't going to tan and there were so many things you had to do, you probably were going to get left behind. How do you feel about being a guy that had that kind of impact just by showing up on the scene? Well, I think I came back, it was April of 99. I didn't really know what to do. I remember Damore would tell me, Scott Damore, um, who's the vice president at Impact, he would always tell me, uh, don't work. <laughs> he used to say, don't work any guys except Don's guys, is what he said to me. So I got kind of lumped in with, I was quote unquote one of Don's guys because Scott and Don were pretty tight. And, you know, and I know Don quite well as, as well. Um, so basically, yeah, I, you know, I didn't really, there wasn't much going on at the time. And actually I worked out with Ernie a little bit. Oh, I worked out with Ernie <laughs> in uh, <laughs> May of 99. And I remember, you know, I went down to Warbond Trucking, his old trucking company, and they had the CWF yellow, the piss yellow van. And, yeah, uh, everything about that company was yeah, yellow. Alex Rain, God bless his soul, was doing frog splashes off the top of the training ring off the, no off the top of the van into oh, the ring oh. <laughs> so i mean it was just hilarious and i think you know spider was there and darren the bomb dalton i think you know I, I worked out with these guys and you know they were great guys cool daddy swing he was a guy i got along with really well tony mcguire yeah and um basically what happened was ernie wanted to sign me to a contract and i said well are you gonna pay me x amount of dollars and he said no and i said well i'm not signing anything like that was just stupid that was may i didn't do anything until i ran into playboy will damon in October of 99 at the U of University of Manitoba where we were going to school. And he said to me, because we had did, done that show for Dawn, the spot show in September where I got powerbombed by Kurgan. That was the beer fest, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, and I did a tag match. It was actually me and, I think it was me and, me and Chris, your buddy, Chris Stevens. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I like Chris. He was a yeah. good talent. Me and Chris Stevens. Don Callis Trainee. Against the Backstreet Bullies, DiCaprio. And J.C. Dirksen. Nope, B.J. Monroe at the time. Oh, okay. Yes. It switched later to J.C. Dirksen. It did. Yeah. I, and B.J. Monroe was way cooler of a name. Oh, yeah, I same thought. guy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> great great name. B.J. Monroe to um, J.C. Dirksen. I don't know where Don... And Chris was Chris Kotex. Yes, because he had red hair, and Kotex was a maxi pad company. Yes. Because <laughs> Don ribbed everybody. Yes. He didn't rip me though, so which yeah. was good. So um, anyway, so we we did that match. I ran into Damon, and he said, "You know what are you doing?" It was a Monday. I go, "I'm not doing much with wrestling." He said, "You should come down to Bumpers tonight." So then I went down with him to Bumpers, and same thing, just like you said. I went in there 
And I remembered I had like my gear bag and I had my gear and I went to the gym and I took care of myself and I was just very honored to be there and just happy for any sort of spot. I wasn't even expecting to work. And then I got on the show, opening card, did a job, the Dirksen, you powerbombed me in the opener. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I remembered you like really took a liking to me and then you said, I want to work with this kid. And then you and I did that brass that yeah. three match series that's culminated yeah. in the brass knucks in a box match yeah adjustment which actually drew to, a huge house yeah adjustment to that story though it wasn't me it was stanton who said i think you should two, you two should work together which because i was like well we're gonna i thought right. you were gonna go off with damon at that time but right so yeah. yeah so i guess i was kind of like i don't know like the ringleader of those guys and i always knew there was strength in numbers so dicaprio myself and damon collectively always kind of stuck together because we were able to negotiate. and held promoters up uh it did happen yeah. yes so with you, bobby j yep. so you end up with river city then you go to trcw when bobby j starts up hold him up for a guarantee of 20 dollars a night for all three of you 20 dollars wasn't 20 dollars was it 25 it wasn't 25 dollars give me some credit here. okay well there was a guarantee of pay there was a guarantee because i think ernie wanted us at the time and ernie thought i mean we had no intention of working for ernie and yeah. we were kind of working both sides and we knew collectively we had more leverage if we stuck together right. yeah because we knew we were valuable to the show except I mean, the way vance nevada booked you you weren't like he diminished your value the three of you well i think vance i think vance he teamed up with me for a while because he tried to kind of squash me and then that didn't work so he tried to team up with me and then i think we won the tag titles we won the tag titles we dropped them to divine and uh rob roy scott maybe maybe yeah and of course i got pinned in that one yeah um well but that's it, another story yes so then vance loses or vance is leaving the territory for a period of time and you this is the first time of many times you got me a, a job in the in the business. You're welcome. Bobby J's booker's gonna Bobby J doesn't know who's gonna be the next booker. Mm -hmm. And you call Bobby J and you convince him that he should hire me as the booker. And so there's your first mistake. Strike one there, geez wheeze. Oh boy. Because everyone who's mad everyone who <laughs> looks down at me threats now. <laughs> yeah, everyone who looks at me and and resents that, they can thank you. Now, let's go a little bit ahead. And what I did when I took over the book is I went to Bobby J and I said, I want to change the entire look of the roster and I'm going to turn Shane Madison from top babyface to top heel and put him with Will Damon and Donnie DiCaprio. Like you said, you negotiated as a unit. You three were close. Let's make you guys a top heel unit. And then I'm going to take all the heels in the company and flip them babyface to run with them. And that leads to an angle between you and TJ Bratt. Mm -hmm. Now, TJ Bratt didn't make it through the first day of or the second day of training in, in Windsor with you, but it, by this point in Winnipeg, he had developed himself as a as a charismatic heel, someone who could probably work a top angle. You and him go into a main event angle and it draws money. Talk about that. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, first of all, I remembered because I was a babyface, and then you wanted to change me to a heel, and I was like, "Oh, I've never worked as a heel before," but I knew I could pull it off because. Yeah. People look at me and they naturally just think I'm a dick, right? <laughs> right. I just have that. I you're guess your natural heel. Yeah. Apparently, I have this dick look. I, I I think that's just because I present myself in a way that's. I mean, look, even how I show up here, I'm not showing up here in my pajamas and sweatpants. Like, right. I'm dressed nicely. I got my hair combed. <laughs> I wore my best Jordans. You Sean know, Sean Brown's gonna love this description. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But you know, I feel like when you're going out, you got to kind of present yourself a certain way. And I think a lot of these other guys, I mean you know, they, they don't do that. No. So, um, I knew I could be that heel. And I remember Brat. he, 
kicked and screamed because he thought, did not think he could be a baby face. He thought Davidson was trying to screw him over right. and bury him. And I'm thinking like, why would Davidson want to bury this guy when he could be good for business? Naturally, TJ Bratt is the exact opposite of me. Mm-hmm. And of course, TJ Bratt looks like everybody in the crowd. So of course they're going to get behind that guy. Guys aren't going to cheer for a guy who looks like me. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to happen until you get to a point where you're like, you know, like a Randy Orton, where it's like you have that respect level and like it, it doesn't matter. It becomes undeniable. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, so yeah, and that's what happened. We went into this angle and I knew that Brat, you know, his in-ring skills were limited. And, um, but I know he was a good character. Yeah. People believed in it. Yeah. He had a lot of fire and I knew this would work well and it did. The thing that he could do that would make that work was he could fight back and come back. And so you could get so much sympathy on him and then he would, he knew how to get them behind him when he hit his comeback. The angle went from it actually shotgun business. When I took over the book, we were lucky. We were, it was a good house. There was, I remember we started, it was May 11th, 2001. There was like nobody yeah, 60 at people. the Palladium yeah. in Winnipeg. Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. And by, dead. and by July, there was 400 468 people. 468 or something and like that. And they just kept And the coming. Winnipeg Sun yeah. was sponsoring it. And we, Doug Lunny from yeah. the Winnipeg Sun. Like it was a yeah. big thing. And more importantly, good looking women. Yes. Which, yes. If, which I know from listening to the BC show is a key component to drawing a house. It yes. Is. You have to get, you, you have to draw mainstream fans. The thing with that was a perfect storm though. Vance had gotten Doug Lunny by doing a cover story on the Canadian Alliance. Then Doug was, he was jacked and he was going to become a, he was going to do a match. Hold on. Yep. Hold that thought. I'm going to put you over here. <laughs> oh God. Listen, who was the TRCW champion going into that show? Brian Jewell. Are you sure? Uh, then if it was, who won the championship that night? Adam Knight? Yes. Yeah, so, okay. Under Mike Davidson, yeah. Yeah. who says, people like, piece of shit, you shit on Adam Knight all the time? Yeah. Yeah. He pushed this guy to the moon, and it was a he was a good champion. Well, the, and the reason Pierce was, Eddie. the angle was the hot thing. You, you Keeping you, Damon, DiCaprio, and Brat away from being champion or a- anywhere near the sniff of the belt was key to business, and then the belt became a secondary angle, just like so to point I think, out that you put him over for yeah, the Yeah, Knight won the title. <laughs> Actually, Knight was the champion already because he had beat Brian Jewell. And Jewell wanted to drop it to Nevada. And I said, no, I, I think we, we're going to go to Knight. And then I got fired as Booker, but Knight was the champion. <laughs> and I think he might have dropped it to Nevada. But the thing was with Knight was mechanically he could do so much. But there was things about Knight that used to drive me crazy. One, he doesn't cut a strong promo, all due respect. Two, he's notorious for getting bad haircuts. Right, like, and, and it sounds rude, like, like the Jerry Lawler gear. At yeah, like there's always something where he he's very good. It, that, but but that summer he looked great. He yeah, was he tanned up. And he trimmed he down. Was he was trimmed up. He had his hair. He grew his hair out yeah. long. Yeah. He had a ponytail. Looks he looked mean. cool. Yeah, he looked And cool. the thing he had done is he was taking hydroxycut like crazy and doing a lot more cardio. So he was slimming down, which helped him as opposed to what he does now, where I think he lifts and lifts and lifts, and it adds maybe bulk, but it doesn't really help what he could do if he really focused on. If he it, right now, if he focused on losing twenty five or thirty pounds, at his age, it would do, would do a world of difference for him in the ring if he's going to keep going. But anyway, so he was heavyweight champion. But your program with TJ Bratt, it gets to four hundred people, which local business weekly. Sure, it was five dollars a ticket, but just getting people to leave their house and go see a local wrestling show, four hundred people a week. 
nobody gives that angle enough credit. I think that's the angle that defines TJ Brad, although he wouldn't like to admit it, but it's certainly one of the big things that defines your career. Yeah. And I, you know, I thought, and again, I, I was never a guy who, it's not like I was saying to you, Hey, put me in the main event. Never. I never asked for that, but it's just like, you know, I mean, you just look at, okay, what's going to work. What are the people responding to? And you know, whatever it, it was, I just had that. And yep. some people recognize and some people don't want to recognize it. Yeah. So booking a wrestling show for me was a lot like looking at a chessboard and you have your pieces and, and you're trying to maneuver all your assets into the right spot. So, you know, okay, well, anytime I ever had the book, one thing I always say about you is if I went to you and said, okay, I want you to lose to big O the quite you wouldn't even look twice. No problem. Do you want, would you want me to put him over strong or do you want, like, you might ask a question like that, but well, we did the alcoholic gimmick where I lost every match for what, like a year right after you lost the best of seven. Yeah. And I was going to get to that. that okay. Sorry. After you got me my second job in the wrestling game. <laughs> um, but so I get fired as Booker with you on top. And one of the big things, the guys underneath MVP and TJ Bratt said is Mike only cared about that, but what was drawing that people? I'm not going to say that Vance Nevada bringing in Doug Lunny didn't help. That helped a lot. I'm not going to say Bobby J didn't do his part or Tom Manos didn't do his part. Or Ronnie Scott Attitude. Shelcross, Ronnie Attitude. Rob Stardom. A lot of unsung heroes all together. Yep. We were a team. Yeah, made that happen. But the top angle was hot. Of course, the booker is going to be taking care of the top the top angle and where it goes when that changes. And everyone was like, oh, I feel left out and blah, blah, blah. Locals can be their worst enemy for that because the thing is, the two guys can't stay on top forever. I'm going to go to somebody else. Yeah, you got to, it's not yeah, ever You got to rotate gotta, something, yeah. something around. Okay, so I get fired as booker. And this is when you get me my second job in the wrestling game. This one probably will drive people crazy too. Mike, uh, just before we go to that, I want to just circle back quickly to when you came back to Winnipeg, you were jacked up, you are tanned up. You mentioned, you know, you could almost feel the jealousy. Did you ever have to deal with that in the ring? Were there, were there ever people that just wouldn't do business with you just because that like, uh, you know, fuck this pretty boy type thing? I, I, I know you could handle yourself, but like I could see that happening locally. I think, I think when people actually, you know, Darren Dalton said it the best once. Um, I think he said to Ernie once, he said to him, Ernie was saying how I was a dick or an asshole or something. And then Darren said, have you ever uh, actually sat down and talked with Shane Madison? And he's like, no. <laughs> he goes, well, maybe you should do that because you might learn learn something. Yeah. Like, I think if you sit down and, like, talk to me, you see that I'm the furthest thing from that, which is hilarious because my wife always laughs. She always says, like, She'd be like, these fucking wrestlers, they actually believe you're like, you're like that, right? Yeah. And I go, it's like the most funny thing because the people that should be working others are the ones getting worked, which is the, the funniest thing. So I, I take that as a compliment. If you think I am that way, okay, let's just like turn that volume up. So they need to believe that though, because there's a undercurrent of, of attitude in, in with wrestlers that I've come across where they they don't excel in life or try to excel in life. They try to excel in wrestling. Yeah. That focus is wrestling. So when somebody like yourself, I like to consider myself to that level too, is focused on excelling in other avenues of life, they don't relate to it because they're still focused on trying to master wrestling, whether they're successful at that or not. So they they never, they they. I've always said the wrestling locker room is a weird place for people, the dynamic and and it's the one place where that group comes together and they all are on the same page. Well, look at it this way. Like, what are some of these people going to be doing when they're 60 years old? Yeah. 
What is Some their of them are still going to be wrestling? What's their retirement plan? None. Do they have a house? Do yeah. they own a car? Are they married? Like, I just like think about like I don't know if people think about those types of things. And for me, I'm a well-educated guy. I went to university. I've always had a good job. I make great money. Um, I'm building another house right now. I mean, I have things going on. So, and a focus on that stuff ahead of wrestling. Right. And now I've had guys, a million guys, Tommy Dreamer, Ted DiBiase, uh, Paul London, Stevie Richards. I've had all sorts of guys tell me, you realize you could have made a living doing this, right? And I said, yeah, I know that. But I always chose not to because of when I went down to OVW, when I went down to these other places, I've seen kind of that, the underbelly of the business and I seen how it is and I'm not, my values aren't in alignment with that. So I made that decision to not pursue it. That's something I've been saying a lot lately. My values aren't in alignment with yours or so-and-so's or whatever. That's a good way to put it. It's a new line. It's just like, there you go. You can steal it. Not having a bad day. You're having a character building day. So reframe it. Character building, Chris. That's right. So studio. So you got me my second job. This was with John Newen and PCW. Now we have to be careful because when you and I tell our story, there's somebody who will hear it and go, piece of shit. These guys don't remember it right. (laughs) I wonder who that is. Yeah. He will not accept our version of reality because it, Again, our values maybe don't align with his. Our version doesn't align with his. He he likes he he claims, and I I love Andrew, but he claims that he kept copious notes of every conversation dating back to nineteen or, or two thousand and one, and so there will be times where him and I will be, have a different reflection of history. So I always say, if it's PCW, whatever he says goes, even if it's not the case. But it started. I remember August long weekend of two thousand and one. I had just been fired about a month before from, from Bobby J as TRCW booker. And I got, and you said our boss, John wants to meet you. And now I had envisioned John as something. I didn't know. What did you envision him as? Not an Asian. (laughs) With a name like John, I expected a big white guy. Okay. So you told me, come to the office on Pembina highway. And I'm expecting to meet a big rugged white guy that runs a call center. And John Nguyen was a successful businessman but he was short what maybe five foot five maybe and maybe 140 pounds soaking wet wore a beautiful suit and was asian he was vietnamese so i remember shaking his hand and being like off like it threw me off a lot right because it was not what i expected here i'd heard a businessman who was successful was going to invest or interested in investing and he said i need to see a business plan we sat we talked great meeting He, he said well it might not be right now but at some point I'm, I might be interested. Then a couple months later in November, right on American Thanksgiving, you, me, Mike Silver and yep. Andrew meet yep. with John at the both, ta- round bo- table. both meetings were at the round table. And that one, the bombers were about to go into the 2001 great cup. And John said, you know, okay, I'm in. And, and PCW is born and I'm the booker and Andrew's going to be the, his role was going to be promoter and kind of an operations guy. And he did okay at, or he did good at those roles. He was passionate he was good, um, you know, but like, so when you, let's talk about the first show is PCW's commencement of cool and had Eddie Guerrero and Honky Tonk Man and Beefcake. And you wrestled with Donnie DiCaprio as tag team against, was it Adam Knight and Darren Dalton? That is correct. Yes. yes. I remember you, you lured Darren Dalton over and then you had to work with them. And I pity you for that. Well, you wanted me to work with Guerrero originally. Yes. Well, yes. And well, then I, could I tell said, that story. well, and I said, you know what? Because I knew where we were going with Damon. Yeah. And I said, let's have Damon in that spot. And then we can do that schmoz at the end. But 
Let's back up a little bit. PCW. So when when I first proposed this to John, and, it, and this is actually funny because, you know, now that we're talking about it, if I hadn't come back and Damon and that whole gr- crew, there would be probably no top rope. No. It wouldn't have happened. Right. River City just would have died and blown away. Yeah, we would have run a couple shows with trainees and it would have got old. Right. So there would be no top rope. PCW, let me be very clear. There would be no PCW had I not convinced Nguyen, not Dan, yeah. Damon, Will Damon, had I not convinced Nguyen to give us the money. Because yeah. Dan, at the time, you know, he liked wrestling, um, but I don't think he had that heart. No, he didn't. He was, um, and he was very talented, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Very talented, good promo, great great in the ring. Um, but I think he was very happy with his professional life. And I think if this wrestling thing happened, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. It was me who pushed Nguyen hard. And made him believe. And made him believe. So there was no PCW had, you know, I not convinced, and I'm going to toot my own horn here, had yeah. I not convinced John to pony up. And I think it was, was it $30,000 or 40. What? Was it 40? I he can't won, even. Yeah. He had won a copyright infringement case or settled it and got 40,000, I believe, American over the name at National Infotech Center, I believe. Okay. And so, then yeah. and then he put that in, and he gave Andrew and I a salary. And, and I, I, I remember John saying to me, what, is it, what does Andrew even do? What is- <laughs> He's going to say he doesn't have it written down in a piece of paper, I, so that well, conversation never well, happened. It was just me and John yeah. having this conversation. You know what's funny about it is you told him, like, I, I want you to meet my, my boss, John. And immediately his head went to John Goodman. The way, the, the way he's talking, he's like, I thought it was a big white guy. And, and, and he just went to John Goodman immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah. John. Yeah. yeah. But, so, but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and I explained to, I said, you know, hey, like, and I didn't know Andrew that well at the time. No. I said, listen, Andrew, what he brings, he brings the venue. The yeah. venue was Which important. Which was key. But Andrew was very passionate about the business mm-hmm. and- very supportive and a supporter of the team and the guys and a believer in our vision. So I thought, hey, we need a guy like that. Yeah, we thought it couldn't go wrong. (laughs) That's what we thought. So PCW, so when we take over the lid, which was the Palladium, or I guess the Stratosphere at the time. This is after we stole the ring from Bobby. Well, we bought the ring, but he had no idea. He thought- There's going to have to be a sequel to this. Yeah, yeah. We're leaving a lot of stuff out. So, um, So what ends up happening is, Bobby runs TRCW. <laughs> I am booking and it's hot. Then Johnny Malibu hot takes it. Piping hot. Piping hot. And then Johnny Malibu takes over the book and morale with the key people that had built it dropped as quickly as the houses did. And by the end of Bobby J's run, they're down to 75 people and it's in bad shape. This was when Bobby gave us the uh, survey. Yes. Remember the survey, yes. which I still have the survey. Yeah, he had a roster of 40 or 50 locals showing up every Thursday wanting a spot. Oh my God. So Malibu and Bobby came up with an idea where everyone would have a blind ballot and they would vote and whoever had the most votes got to be on the show. But no, it wasn't just that. It was a it was a questionnaire right down to if you could fire three wrestlers or whatever it is. <laughs> Who would you fire? What a shitty thing to do with and, the boss. And, and I and I know for sure my name must have shown up on yeah. there from the you know Mo, Moses Luke's probably putting my name yeah. on there. Right? They never released the results. No, the results fired. are never known. But I do have a copy of that survey. Not a very good way to. I, like, I need a picture of that. Yeah. I need a picture of that I for the find, social media. I will, I will yeah. find it for you. Okay, so 
Might so, be in storage right we, now. We want you guys to be a team, but here, fill out the survey. Who, who do yeah, you want to fire? Yeah. And, and for me, and I remember, it was, from my, from my perspective, you don't want to de-elevate people. You want to elevate others to that person's yeah. level. Yeah. So, you know, I remember Malibu, he, would, he said to me, Johnny Malibu, and he would say, um, hey, you're going to do the opening match. I go, great. That yeah. means I'm just drinking beer quicker than everybody yeah. else. And I remember... I did the opening match. I don't remember who it was with. And I remember I saw probably 12 people walk out the door after I wrestled. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, okay. Well. And he was, it was a test. But his whole idea was. I didn't care where I was on the show. One of the things he said is, well, we need to change the lo- MVP is too hot. So we need to bring them down to here at the same time we bring everyone up to here. And that's such flawed Terrible vision idea. because what he should have done is keep them as hot as possible and then eventually bring people up to work with them to yeah. get that way. Because when you drop your top act, your top drawing act down, it killed the business. Yeah. Well, you can't always get it back. So it gets down to 75 people. So then when Andrew takes over, Andrew gets PCW in there and that wasn't easy to do. Tom Manos didn't want to do it. But mm-hmm. when he finally agreed, it was going to be Wednesday nights instead of Thursdays. We go in there. I saw Manos last week, actually. Really? I see him at Still looks me. good. Yeah. Still looks For good. For his age, he looks amazing. Looks great. Yeah. So we get back in there. And as a testament to what the original vision was, we rebuilt it. We started with uh, commencement of cool. But by summer of that year, we're back to hot houses again with you and Damon as a top angle. Yep. People believed there was some elements of shoot to that. And um, at that time, I think Chris Paris had gotten pretty hot for PCW. Don't do the Tajiri elbow. Yeah. So from it started with commencement of cool, Eddie Guerrero and uh, Will Damon on top. What happened to book that match, John Newen said to me, if we're bringing in an import from former a former WWE star, they have to work either Dan or Jeff, Will Damon or, or Shane Madison. And Madison immediately said, Damon, you're going to work the match. And that meant you had to go underneath with, with Dalton. And, and all these other guys who said, that guy is an egomaniac yeah. right there. Yeah. I could have worked with Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And I said, yeah. no, and Damon's better because it's better for the story. Yeah. And I worked the third match in a throwaway tag match. So nowadays, when you hear Andrew Shellcross talk about that 1700 magic number being the record he didn't have a lot to do with it he was a part of the team but he certainly and and by title he was a leader on the team but it really was that one and i got to tell an adam knight story john newen called a meeting and he was like who wants to sell tickets and donnie dicaprio who was always a consistent movie uh, uh ticket seller said 25 30 ronnie attitude 20 you take 20 Everyone's moving tickets and we get to a point where it goes like this. Adam Knight and he's like 250 and the room goes dead silent and everyone looks at him and he's like and John says are you sure? 250. <laughs> and he says I tell you what I'm going to start you with 50 and if you need more come back and get them. And guess how many he returned? 45. He might have been 48. <laughs> <laughs> He didn't sell any, but he was uh, on Red River campus and he thought it was going to be easy to do. Whatever. He, I, he bought, he, he believed as much as everyone yeah. did. So we go into commencement. It's a big success. 1700, 1500, 1600, whatever the number is, Andrew says. And Andrew's I remember history. sitting in the locker room and I, there's like, there was a couch up against the wall and there was a big piano window. And I remember looking at the piano window and there were just people pouring in just it was unbelievable. Just the walk-up was yeah. insane. Winnipeg. It was unbelievable. So what happened was, going into that show on the Friday night, I didn't know how many tickets we sold because Ticketmaster was about 150. And the boys had tickets, and I, I was asking the boys all the time, that 
DiCaprio is telling me, no, I, a lot of people are coming. Everyone's saying, I feel it. There's a vibe in town. It's going to be good. But John Newen says, we're going to have 400 people. And I'm like stressed because I might lose my job if there's 400 people. So I'm downstairs and and I get this call on uh, on a radio or something. Or, or John comes down and he says, hey, Chris Jericho's dad's upstairs because he came to visit Eddie, Eddie Guerrero. And I said, how is the, how, how's the crowd? He said, oh, there's thousands. And I was like, what? And he's like, there's thousands. It's amazing out there. And by the time I went to the window and looked, all you could see was one side, which hold, held 1,500 was f- like filling up and the floor was full. So we knew we had over 1,500 because there was 90% of the side and, and, right. it, and it had worked. It had worked wonders. Now, I've told that story before of how we... It was kind of a bait and switch. I said we could get Randy Savage. We couldn't. Then I then it was going to be Kurt Henning. We lost him, and Aguero ends up doing it. We fast forward from that show, and it leads us to the ballpark show with the LOD. Do you remember that show? Yes, July 25th, 2002. Yeah, so LOD, and we needed a main event tag team for them, Russ. Well, but hold on. But before that, Eddie Guerrero, after commencement of Cool, I remember he said to me, he says, next time, I'm going to come back next time, and I'm going to bring Ray. Yeah. As yeah. in Ray Mysterio. And I looked at him, and I just started laughing. I go, "Get the fuck out of here!" Yeah. He yeah. goes, "What?" He's like, "No, no, I'm I'm gonna come back." I go, "You're gonna be on TV in like a month." Yeah, yeah. And that's next what pa- happened. Next paper, he won the Intercontinental yeah. Title from Rob Van Dam. Yeah. yeah. So we had a we had an agreement that Guerrero was coming back with Ray Mysterio. Mysterio, and that would have drawn a second house. But he goes to WWE in April of that year, and that was March. So then we go to the LOD and they wrestle Adam Knight and Darren Dalton. But I thought you don't like Adam Knight. Why'd you put him in there with LOD? Well, I need the big guy to take the doomsday. That's what he had to do, right? <laughs> I needed a guy. I don't to... think he did the flip though. No, and you know what the thing was? Like Animal he... wasn't as young as he was. So when he yeah. went down to get him on the shoulders, it was a bit of a lift. And yeah. remember the night before Hawk missed his flight. And you had to And I was an honorary member of the Legion of Doom for you, one night. Did you get to do it? Yes. Yeah. I, I well no, no, no. I oh. was I was uh I was what do you call me? Road Warrior Mecca. Did yeah. you put makeup on your face and everything? He painted my face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in Brandon. That was pretty cool. And then I said to him, I said, because I was reviewing his career in the car with him and he was like, blah, blah, blah. I won the tag team titles at SummerSlam 92. I go, no, no, you won it at 91. He goes, no, no, no. I won it at 92. I go, no, you didn't. You burned your leg on the motorcycle at 92. <laughs> 91, you beat the Nasty Boys in Madison Square Garden. He's like, he's like, how do you remember all this stuff? I go, it's, it's, I have a sickness. Yeah. You're, you're a, uh, what is it? A wrestling savant. Yes. Yeah. You Rain remember Man the wrestling. dates? Yeah. You remember the dates and what they drew? And I wish what I city. had that problem. So then we, so you, that night you wrestled Playboy Will Damon and it was the two guys that had built PCW and he had turned baby face and we'd broke up MVP. It became you, DiCaprio and priceless Chad Tatum. Yes. Who was quite entertaining in that role. Yes. And they have a match and it's a weird finish where you pin uh, Damon, but it, people were left thinking that you kind of went into business for yourself. Right. And people believed it because it's you and everyone thinks you're a hard guy to please. And so hard to work with. <laughs> yeah. And that leads to, and, and then you go into the best of seven with Chi Chi Cruz again. So you drew a big, you drew a big house with night with TJ Brat first, then commencement. You're part of drawing that house. Then you draw the house with Will Damon. Then you go into the heavyweight title tournament and it's you and Chi Chi Cruz who start out as two heels and Chi Chi Cruz turns babyface, and you draw another big house for Game Seven of the of the title. And I was up three games to none, and you lose the next four. I blew it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you draw a big house there with Chi Chi Cruz. So 
there again, at weekly wrestling draws another three or 400 people to lose the, the title match against Cheech. Again, much like with TJ Bratt, you make your baby face better by knowing how to, how to sell for them, how to let them ha- have their comeback, how, let them have their moment. Cheech Cruz becomes the heavyweight champion. Then what? Hard to please Shane Madison then says, we end up stumbling into this. This was not by design, but you end up getting sympathy because we do a depression angle where you start drinking. <laughs> Remember you guys brought me a cake to the ring. Yes, trying to cheer you up. I was your manager. Yeah, and then they, they threw the cake in my face and then Davidson like takes his fingers and like gets... <laughs> Wipe some of the cake off my cheek and starts eating the cake off. Yeah, that's, well, that's perfect. So we bring out the cake and Chichi Cruz comes out and starts stunning all of us into cake. Yeah. Then another <laughs> episode, which was weekly. And again, I, it's fun because I make myself look like a fool Yeah, because the crowd, that's what they want to do. Yeah. They want to see that. And it will take you from the top heel serious to the sympathetic heel that has to turn babyface. So then you do, we're doing a thing where you're drinking and remember Cruz challenges you to a drinking contest. Oh my God. So there's drinking shots and these were not worked shots. Yeah. yeah. No. So at that I time, drove home that night. Yeah, the that second time. I walked in the door, I was like, whoa. At that time, you and I were not novice drinkers we were going out quite a lot yes. and we would get drunk but we're not chichi cruz no <laughs> no nobody is so and Cheech had a friend who ended up buying a tray of like i believe there was 30 to 50 shots on that thing and let me tell you when you were in the ring and there's 300 people in the crowd yeah. and there's a tray of shots and they're cheering you to drink them <laughs> yeah you're drinking them yes. you're not gonna so they're knocking them. them back shot for shot oh until finally wallace sells that he can't have any more the rest of the shots come up in the face with the when Cheech flips the lid and then gives them the stunner. Fans go crazy. But the poor guys are drunker than <laughs> they've had too much to yeah. drink. That's the night that we that we I remember Cheech just being he got really inebriated too. Well, I like see, you guys were we, annihilated. We drank a lot quickly, so I knew I had to get home right away yeah, before, before that it hit, hit you. Before it hit and you. And then it hit me when I got home. How was yeah. the hangover the next day? Not pleasant. <laughs> so that's the story of PCW. I end up leaving later on because it just stopped being fun. And did you want to go back to when we did the match with Nightheart and how? Oh, I was already done as Booker, right? But remember, yeah. uh, somebody wasn't taking direction. Yeah, yeah. It comes back to Adam Knight because our story closely aligns with the with the Outlaw. And Adam Knight's the heavyweight champion, and he wrestles Jim Nightheart, and he's going to beat him, and that's going to lead to. Jim or uh, Adam Knight is the champion against Shane Madison. This was two years later, I believe. It was 05, like January 04? of 05. It leads December into January yeah, 05. Okay. So um, what ends up happening is uh, Adam Knight is, I said, I, I come back to help produce the angle because I knew how to draw another house. I knew that this could draw a house if done properly. And I got them all to buy in. I said, look, trust me, this will draw. And everyone's like, well, but, I said, Adam Knight has to be a vulnerable heel that wants no part of Shane Madison. And Adam Knight blows it the first chance he gets because (laughs) he finishes Jim Neidhart and it wasn't a great match. I think he was shit-canning him with the chair and then I hit the ring. And then then Mecca comes in and they square up and Adam Knight should get the hell out of the ring. But what does it, what would a good heel do in that situation, Chris? Sorry, I wasn't even listening. Wow. It explains a lot. So I was watching the levels. What a good heel should do is back away. 
Back down. Wants nothing to coward do, away. Wants nothing to do with this match. Be a coward. But what does Adam Knight do? With his belt in hand dangling at his side, just like you might expect Triple H to do when he's trying to screw Bill Goldberg or Scott Steiner, he takes two steps forward and goes chest to chest. And what uh, you should have done is yeah, decked him. But so we end up in an a permanent stare down. But I remember him, Davidson. Oh. Is it just he's behind I, the bar and he's throwing shit around, he's <laughs> spiking glasses. Yeah, I grabbed a plastic paper. glass and threw it down. I'm so mad. So because I had told Knight, you are to back away and get away from him when he comes in. When he stands up, you back away. Show your belt when you're on the floor. But he comes chest to chest, pauses, stays there, stays there, stays there, then slowly one step back. Two steps back, three steps back. What is the baby face to do in that situation? Yeah, look Should like the, an asshole. Yeah, back pretty, off? pretty much. Yeah, it makes or, you look or yeah. punch him. Why did the heel do this? Because he anyway. Yeah. We don't have to go on about him. So that's my end of PCW. You guys end up having the match. It draws okay, but it didn't draw what it should have drawn, which was three four hundred people. Mm-hmm. Now comes the next job that Shane yep. Madison got me, and mm-hmm. that was as the Booker. For Jeff Dix, AWE. Okay, hold on one second. Uh, the Jim Neidhart thing, was that around the same time? Did he end up going to work for TJ Bratt's promotion? That was later. Yeah, this, before. This show was December 16th, 2004. That wasn't, wasn't long after that, though, like I, 2006? I the reason why Neidhart was a popular choice with promoters in town was he had a cheap flight from Calgary and he worked for Canadian Money. I just remember that the TJ the, the, the Bratt show, I can't remember what he called this promotion, but... Um, was it Impact Championship Wrestling? No, it was IWM, IWM. Independent uh, Wrestling Manitoba. Yeah, uh, Neidhart and Stardom worked, and Neidhart wouldn't take a bump I was on that show. He wouldn't take a bump because he said he saw nails coming out of the ring. <laughs> and Very real possibility. And a wire dropped down during the match from the roof. Was that a doubles? Yeah. Yeah. So Rob ended up using the wire. And when he got to the back, I've never seen Rob starting like this. He's like, I'm quitting the business. He's like, that's the worst. I, he, he was so, he was sad. I've never seen, he was crestfallen. Well, I've never seen somebody so sad. He's like, I'm not doing this anymore. Hey, shout out to Rob Stardom's vlog. Yeah, that's a sweet vlog. I like vlog. that, you know? Yeah, it's He's, pretty good. He updates it regularly. Yeah, yeah he know? puts out a lot of content. Right. Thank you for doing that. Now go ahead, Mike. Okay, Sorry, so dude. I become the booker for AWE. And unfortunately, I know Chris has told me how heavy we are on time, but we're going to keep going here. If you need to cut it into two parts or whatever you need to do. We're good. Keep do going. It. So AWE, not AEW, Tony didn't hire me. And Jeff Dick... Do you have any regrets about finding this guy for the business? I can't even remember how this Heat Magazine. Yeah, I remember that. I can't even remember how it happened, but and I remembered that first show, March eleventh, two thousand and five. Yeah. Was not gonna happen at the last minute unless (laughs) remember this? I had to give him Five, was it $5,000? It might have been 3500 It was to cover advertising. Because yeah. I said I would not yeah. go forward with the show if we did not have advertising because we couldn't draw. So this is a guy whose right. reputation as far as paying people back was spotty at best. Yeah. I said to myself, I'm probably going to lose $5,000. Yeah. But because I believe in this show, in the team, in the guys, in Mike... I'm going to risk $5,000 of my own money, and which what? I defy. There's not one person wrestling in this city that would do that, by no, the way. Yeah. Not one. Or financially could. If that, if I didn't give Jeff Dick that money, that show or that promotion would have never happened. So the Thursday night, we're at the Palladium for, or at the lid for PCW. And you say, yeah, we'll do it tomorrow on the Friday. Because I said, if, if we don't pay the advertising on Friday, I'm pulling out of that show because... 
the cost, the cost, if you don't let the people know that there's going to be a show, they're not going to come. The show drew okay. And actually the show, it worked out. You got your money back, right? I did get my money back. <laughs> yeah. yes. You're one of the few who can say yes, that. Yes, that was, was it harsh reality? No, was that, that was called Larger Than Larger Life. Larger Than Life. Rikishi, right. Billy Gunn. You worked Billy Gunn on the show. Yes, which I can't believe people haven't stolen that name. Larger yeah. Than Life, Harsh Reality, great pay-per-view name. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it was shown on pay-per-view throughout Canada. And that was the whole vision was we had the pay-per-view distribution all locked up. Adam Knight helped me get that pay-per-view distribution. And that Boy. led to a TV contract. Adam Knight heavy today and good stuff for Adam Knight. Well, some of it's good, some of it's not, but he was helpful. He helped build the market. A lot of my success aligns with what he, what he tried to do. And AWE started and it lasted almost a year and we got TV. We ended up bringing in, you worked, you worked Buff Bagwell in one show. Yeah. That was October of 05. Yeah. You worked Billy Gunn on the first one. You had a great match with Spider. Yep. That match with Spider actually was incredible. One of, I would say one of your, Best matches that got produced Probably for Spider's television. best match ever. Well, it was, you know, I see Spider at the gym all the time, yep. right? And we, we were talking about that. And it was so funny because everybody, there was always that unknown animosity, right? Like, ooh, Shane Madison's going to work with Spider? But yeah. Shane Madison was like the, one of, some of the young guys that were had a big mouth and Spider was the Ernie's guy. And yeah. I think there could be some conflict there. Is Spider going to beat the shit out of Shane Madison? Is Shane Madison going to beat the shit out of Spider? Like, there was that. And we were just like, listen... I'd never worked the guy before. Yeah. Let's go in there, have a good match. And we yeah. had a good match. Yeah. And he was always cool. Like he's I'd a never, great guy. Yeah. I never loyal had a... listener of the show, by the way. <laughs> oh, good. I see him in the gym and he goes, are you listening to the bees? She's like, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> well, er, er, shout I, out to spider. I can remember hearing the story that Ernie used him as sort of the heavy. And oh yeah. He, he'd, he'd say, well, we'll see what spider has to say about that. If you there know, was night spider was going to come down to Chalmers <laughs> yeah. and he was going to kill me. Remember Dalton said, Week, we're going to come down to Chalmers and we're going to beat everyone up except you, Madison. <laughs> yeah. Good Which would have been funny. And yeah, then they be. didn't come. Yeah. No. Because the cooler heads prevail. But for a long, and actually when PCW started, we had Ernie come in, I, going backwards, we had Ernie come in to make a presentation. With his John, rubber boots. Yes. To John New, and he came in dressed right like from He was going hunting in, the, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in a marsh. Yes. And he came in and he went to the, because John always had a whiteboard and, wrote something on there as he's going through making notes. And then Ernie came up and kind of took the marker and <laughs> took the floor. And he's like, I see this as an invasion. <laughs> I can get dusty roads up here. That's not what he said at that point, but he did say spider front row during the Guerrero match, jumping the barricade and jumping Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And we're like, that. what's that going to lead to? Like, Eddie versus Spider doesn't seem like it's going to draw money. Or be a good match. And could you imagine the people going, hey, a fan just hit the ring and beat up Eddie Guerrero? It wouldn't make sense. No, because they don't know who Spider is. But I see invasion. invasion. CWF jumps in. We're the established company. And then John said, after that meeting, he kind of liked Ernie. And he kept talking to Ernie, and Ernie started presenting this idea that he was going to bring ring warriors and dusty roads and Howard Brody, and it was going to be bigger than I could deliver. And then John had this thing where he said, next show, try to get Dan Severin and Ken Shamrock. Well, Ernie got Dan Severin. Piss yellow posters. And, and yes. And yeah. John comes in and he's like, did you see this poster? And it's piss yellow. I remember. And those, it's a picture yeah. of Dan Severin, black and white. You could barely tell. I may have that poster. Yes. Still. And John said, okay, on second thought, keep doing what you're doing. Cause that's, John had no intention of working with Ernie. No, he but told he told me he loved the it. entertainment value of meeting with these guys and yeah. having them pander to him. Because in what other walk of life are you going to run into these people? Yeah. Like in my professional life, 
where am I going? I, me and Dynamite Dave Petro, who was on the show yep, recently. Yep, great show. Great interview. One of my good wrestling friends. Um, we always laugh about this. We always say, like, where is so-and-so, insert wrestler's name, Tuesday morning at 1030. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know where I am. I'm sitting in my office. I'm whatever. Like, this guy's probably in his parents' basement, in his underwear, playing Xbox. Yep. Like, it's just like, what are these people doing with their life? And we just always laugh about how it's so funny how we would never we would never run into these people in any walk of life, but we all meet in this weird in the world lo- of In the locker room. And it's like, it's amazing when we get there and it's like, I I don't see Robbie Royce nearly enough, but when we see each other, it's like it's 1996 all over, 1995 all over again. When I was sleeping on his couch when he lived with Vance, Nevada, and Steve Stryker, it's like he never left town, and it's. But to to speak to what you're talking about, I've thought about that myself. Like, where are these? What are these people doing with their lives? Because I was never like that myself. I I was always looking at other. Not that I didn't. I loved wrestling. Wrestling did not love me back. I was not good. Yeah. But I was always looking at other things. You know, I was like, all right, I like broadcasting. Maybe I'll get into. I like stand up comedy. I ended up doing both those things. Yeah, but you did stand up comedy. Yeah, yeah. I did it in Regina. Chris, in your defense, and Yorkton and Saskatoon. In your defense, you said you said to yourself, "Hey, listen." I'm not good at this. Yeah. But you know what? I love this. There's other ways I can contribute to this yeah. without embarrassing myself right. in the ring. And I can think of a few people, one of them is a promoter, who probably should take that same lesson, right? Yeah. And I mean, so I just always wonder, like, like I kind of, I res- it's almost, I respect, respect, like, that people want it that badly, that that's all they're doing. But also, if they're in the basement, like you said, then they really don't want it. They just want it in their head here's the thing somebody told me a long time ago and this is a great quote and everybody listening to the bshees at home should write get a pen write this down when in wrestling we are actors pretending to be clowns we are not clowns pretending to be wrestlers right that is great right so it's like it's like you know this is not for everybody a very small percentage of people can actually yeah. do this. I was, I was, I was, I was listening to um, a podcast recently, and somebody said, "And might you know it was the bump yesterday." Oh yeah, on, yeah. Uh, and uh, Tyler Breeze was on, and he said, um, "You know, if I go to uh, a football field and I throw a football, you know, could I throw a spiral? Yeah, I could probably throw a football, but I can't go into an NFL game. I'm not Tom Brady. If I get onto a basketball court, I can shoot a basketball through a hoop, no problem. But if Tom Brady or Michael Jordan comes into a wrestling ring. Can they take a bump? No. No. Can they run the ropes? No. Nope. No, definitely can not. Can they do a hammerlock? Definitely not. Like, this yeah. is not for everybody. This And, you know, and it takes a sick individual to want to actually do this and beat the crap out of your body for, like, little or no money. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's easier to get to the NFL than it is to get to the WWE. Well, there's way more jobs in the NFL. But more importantly, to get to the NFL, all you have to be is a good football player. To get to the WWE, it doesn't matter if you're a good wrestler. You have to be an actor, yeah. an entertainer, a stuntman, and a wrestler. And, and incredibly lucky. The, and you have to know somebody. You have to talk. You have to have that it factor. Yeah. And you can't teach it. You have it or you don't. And there's a lot of weird factors like that. So it's very, very difficult. So did we cover everything? Probably not. No. There's going to be a part two. But before I let you go. I want to ask you about a few people. I never do this. So the shepherd or the the guy who's in charge of Winnipeg Wrestling now, the king of the castle, Danny Duggan, 
He will say to anybody who listens, you were a huge influence on him, just like you were a huge influence on me. How proud are you? How proud are you of the job that Danny Duggan is doing now as a promoter? I mean, I think he's been around since 2009. I think he's, um, you know, he's, he's making a living doing this. Um, he's touring, he's bringing in different names. Um, he's starting to develop some talent. I mean, he's got a good, good kid on the show. Chad, Chad Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Sam Roth too. Is it Sam or James? <laughs> I still don't know. I, I, I thought I knew. <laughs> it's James. Yeah. yeah um, I, I know. But like, you know, he, you know, there are some guys, cause there was a long period of time where there wasn't any, yeah, there was you know, a big there gap was, there. There wasn't anybody because wrestling's not cool anymore. Like yeah. either, you know, you really love it and that's why you're doing it um, because there's not a lot of money to be made there. Right. So, I mean, the fact that Danny's been doing it for this long, I mean, kudos to him and, and, you know, and listen, like, um, you know, he's told me that before and he said some very nice things about the type of influence, you know, that I've been on him and others. And, you know, I'm very grateful for that because at the end of the day, you know, I'm just a big fan, you know, and I just, I just love this business and, um, you know, and I've been guilty at times of taking things maybe a little too seriously and I've probably rubbed some people the wrong way. And if that's happened, I, you know, I do apologize. I just hope that people understand that it was always coming from a good place and it was always coming from a place of me wanting to excel and, and be professional. And, and I always wanted people to remember me when I, when I was on the show, I wanted them to look at me and go, that guy, that guy's got something. And that's, that was my whole mindset all the time. I think you did more than any one person between 1999 and 2000 and probably six or seven to build this market up. People who take craps on that, on this market between that time aren't fair to what the, to the positive changes you made from the Vance Nevada era of 95 to 99 to the era before that. Nobody had more positive impact on a market than you did in that time. Thankful for that. Thanks for coming on the show. Is there Anything else you want to say? No, I'm just uh, really happy to uh, be on the show, and hopefully we can make this a little bit more of a regular occurrence. I think we will. Right now, Sean Brown is trying to call into the show, but he can't get through. It's just piping off. Yeah, he he thought he was coming on together with us because we spent a lot of time together in the summer. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. And now it's time for the mailbag, brought to you by Mary Brown's Chicken. Mary Brown's Chicken crave delicious. Has 14 Manitoba locations? Mary Brown's Chicken. Who only uses Manitoba chicken? Mary Brown's Chicken. And who only uses Manitoba grown potatoes hand cut in store? I bet you've already guessed. Even Mary Brown's coleslaw is made fresh in store from whole carrots and cabbage. Download Mary Brown's app today and take advantage of money saving deals and even a secret menu. You can order ahead to get your Mary Brown's faster. Mary Brown's Chicken. Crave delicious. Isn't it awesome to have it be something different than soon to be sponsored? Thank you to the people at Mary Brown's. It's going to be great. Um, And some listeners are going to win some gift cards from Mary Brown's on occasion. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm I'm ready to slip a big Mary right into my face. Oh, yes. All right. We got some questions here, Mike, as we always do. Uh, This one coming from, uh, yeah, let's start with Tyler. Which former WWE, WCW, or TNA wrestler caused you the most stress? Okay, so uh, <laughs> we talked about how Buff Bagwell and Lex Luger got kicked off a plane and then Lex didn't make it in. When I did get Lex in, he could be a little bit of stress. 
Um, but he was a good guy at heart. Um, I would say that it was uh, Brian Christopher caused me a little bit of stress and he was good, but he actually slapped a guy that is a friend of mine in Winnipeg because they were arguing about, I believe it was recreational party supplements. Right. Um, but Brian, one of the things that happened was Brian got held up at the border uh, at customs when he landed in Winnipeg for a show in October of 2005. And it was supposed to be Brian, Christopher and Rikishi as a tag team. And I can't remember who I had them against anyway. So the long and the short of it is Brian customs catches them with prescription bottles that don't have his name on them. Right. So that gets flagged. So they have him in a room and the story I heard from Brian after and rest in peace, Brian's no longer with us, but he says that they left him in a room and they said, do the right thing with these pills and you're going to get through. And they expected him to put them in the toilet and flush them. And, and I don't know if I believe that because I don't think the interrogation room for customs has a toilet, but this is the story he told in the vehicle after he said, so I popped every one of the pills. <laughs> that was probably not the right thing that they were talking about. Yeah. That's not the right thing. But, uh, I remember the customs guy coming out and he said, this guy's a handful. Like yeah. we really shouldn't let him through. He's under the influence of what we think is prescription medication and liquor. Um, but you know what? We're going to let him through. And uh, so we got him through and he was a handful. Um, other than that, that I can think of, um, I had to stop Scott Steiner from killing Jeff Dick one night. And Scott was a very nice guy. That's not to say Scott wasn't great, but he was going to go at Jeff Dick. I've told that story before in the podcast. Um, I never really had a lot of problems with guys. Nikolai Volkov and I, the late Nikolai Volkov, we didn't get along all that well, but it wasn't bad. We spent three days together. He was a nice guy. He just, he wasn't necessarily. Not your type of guy. Yeah, just not my type of guy. Um, the first time I met Bob Hawley, uh, he, I didn't think he liked me very much, but he grew to like me a lot. Um, so yeah, I've, I've had different, different scenarios, different people. Never really guys that were, Johnny Fairplay used to give me gray hair and I got a lot more of it now, but he was hard to manage, but what a, he cared about the show and he was a really great guy, but he just, he was, he was going to do it his way and I wasn't going to be able to tell him how I wanted it done. Okay. Uh, this one is almost, uh, yeah, it's kind of adjacent to, to the question we just asked. Stacy asks, did you notice any difference between booking female wrestlers and male wrestlers in terms of ego or overall demeanor? Okay, so my experience with female wrestlers was limited. Um, in 05, I brought Sarah Stock to Winnipeg from Mexico. She's from Winnipeg, and that was as part of she needed some she needed to come to Winnipeg to do uh, to get footage for a W5 documentary. Right. And um, she was great. Sarah's always been a wonderful person to deal with. April Hunter. Yeah, I remember uh, that. She too, came yeah. up for that show. And I think we used Sexy Samantha from Monster Pro Wrestling in Edmonton. And I think we used a female, we probably used one more female talent from BC who came in with Mahler. Um, other than that, I had Tennille Dashwood, Tennille Taylor. Yep. She was in with Veronica Weiss. Oh, Veronica was amazing. I loved her. She was just a sweet, sweet person. Great person to deal with. A c extreme professional. So was Tennille. Um, trying to think who else I booked that was a female. Did Lynn you, Adams. Did you ever bring in Nikki Matthews? No. Okay. I, I was going to, for wrestling supercard, it didn't come through. Um, I always found women to be great. They're always extremely professional. They have to be usually flown in. So they take it a lot more serious. Um, and they do whatever you ask them to do, uh, obviously professionally, like it's, you wouldn't ask them to do anything outside of that, uh, unless you're Vince McMahon. Uh, 
So it was always really good and easy to work with. I never had any issues whatsoever. All right. Asked and answered. And if you want to ask a question to the expert, Mike Davidson, on the Mary Brown's mailbag, you can get at us, totalbeesshees at gmail.com. On our Instagram, just search totalbeesshees. Same thing on Facebook and Twitter. Very, very simple. Mary Brown's Crave delicious. All right. Before we let them all go, I got something to say. Oh gosh. I want to thank Jeez Wheeze for coming in the studio. Some great stories reminded me of when I was young and in my twenties. I want to thank you as always. You did a great job of producing the show and listening and being part of the interview. And I want to thank Adam Knight. <laughs> Just like a tongue in cheek thing or? I want him to continue to cut those promos and I because it gives me content. It gives me something to talk about. And Adam Knight, if you don't like me talking about it, all you have to do is send me an email and apologize for punching me in 2007. <laughs> Promise it'll never happen again. Admit you're wrong. Even though that time when he punched me, he actually got a half a page of coverage in the Wrestling Observer for a match in Rokeby against the infamous Virgil, right. where he won the TNA world title. And the problem is I never understood why Adam Knight, one, blamed me because I didn't do it. It was it became known as the Rokeby rib. And what happened was the Rokeby rib was somebody named Danny Duggan, decided they were going to write a show report for a show that supposedly happened in the town of Rokeby, Saskatchewan, which the population is under 50 of that town, right? Yeah. It is basically a community. It's a community hall on the side of the highway. We're driving by. I would, so I'm going to tell the story, the Rokeby rib story. Are you going to tell the story or are you going to save the story? No, I'm telling the story. Sorry. It's a bonus. Call it a she's bonus, if you will. So what happens is we're driving by, Danny and I, we're, what are we doing in Rokeby, Saskatchewan? Don't worry about that. That's not important. And I said, some, somebody could run a show there at the Rokeby Community Hall. And he said, we should say somebody did run a show there. And I said, well, no. Like, he's like, let's write a show report. And I was like, I was kind of iffy on this. So the next, it's a four-hour drive from Rokeby to Winnipeg. We just sat there and threw out different matches. And he said, well, what if we did the father and son tag team of Robbie Royce and Oz defeated Tom and Nick Manos <laughs> and the father and son tag team would have actually been Tom and Nick Manos, not Robbie Royce and Oz. And then he said, um, local wrestler, uh, kid extreme substituted or Kenny Omega, who was sub or um, wrestler build as Kenny Omega, who was actually local wrestler, kid extreme, uh, wrestled so-and-so because the resemblance was identical, yeah. even though Mark no. Merrick does not look like Kenny Omega at all. Um, and then in the main event, it was supposed to be, it was advertised that it was going to be Adam Knight versus Samoa Joe. And uh, it said that they introduced Samoa Joe, music played, Joe didn't come out. They did it again. Ring announcer said Samoa Joe's intro, music played, he doesn't come in. Third time, Promoter Andrew Shellcross comes out and says that Samoa Joe was a third-rate wrestler and a fat bastard and whatever, and he's not here tonight because he no-showed. But we booked a replacement, and Virgil will be defending the TNA World title against Adam Knight. Now, all of this did not happen. This is a creation of Danny Duggan's creativity and imagination. But he wrote it in a show report like he was a fan at the show in Rokeby. And then... It said that Adam Knight won the title <laughs> and that he was now the TNA world champion. And if Samoa Joe and Bill Barons didn't like it, they could shove it up their ass. And the whole point being that Shellcross had had a problem with 
Bill Barron's because when Kenny Omega, uh, Joe wouldn't put over Kenny Omega and then Andrew didn't pay Joe and right. Bill Barron's went on the internet and trashed Andrew for it. So it was a rib on Andrew, a rib on Adam Knight. It was a rib on like an imaginary show. Not thinking it was going to get any coverage, he sent it to all the news sites, and Dave Meltzer gave a half-page coverage to Adam Knight. Oh, my God. So, and Danny was so with it with the rib that he also sent Dave Meltzer another um, another uh, email pretending to be Adam Knight saying, hey, I'm not going to be billed as the TNA World Champion anymore. We did it because we it was a spot show, and we didn't think the fans would know any better. Yeah. And then Dave Meltzer said, yes, some people justify these actions. And Dave Meltzer referred to it as it was funny in that scummy, independent wrestling sort of way. And Mel- Meltzer like covered the show. So Knight, of course, felt like his career had been butchered, right? Because he was made to look like an absolute yeah. fool in the Wrestling Observer. So it's called the Rokabi Rib because... Danny didn't intend for Knight to look like an idiot after this. Danny didn't think that people were going to cover it, but it happened and they did cover it like it happened. So at the end of the day, uh, Adam Knight uh, was working at a live as a doorman. So the way it was at the nightclub was the doorman was at the top of the stairs. I'm at the bottom. I'm coming up. I see him. I know, I knew the rib had happened and I knew he was upset about it. I go to shake his hand. I'm, I'm extending my hand. And because he believed I did it, even though he knew I didn't, he hauled off and threw a punch. But because he, the way he did it, I saw it coming and I wrapped my arms around his waist and kind of like took him on yeah. a waist lock. So he couldn't hit me, right? He missed me. So Adam Knight pu- punched at me for no good reason. And you gave him a hug. Well, I tried to hold on, right? So that's the, that's the reason the punch happened. People have been asking, and that's the Rokabi rib. And poor Adam Knight, we're going to post the actual show report of, of what supposedly happened and how Adam Knight was made to look like, any, like kind of bad. But it wasn't me. It was Danny Duggan. It wasn't him. Just like Shaggy, it Fam- wasn't him. Famous last words. All right, and there's Glenn Goza telling us it's time to hit the dusty trails. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammer lock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the rumper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the iron claw as only the Vaughn Erics can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling, really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, 
I'd like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Boy, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon?